This morning we have Brother Tink Hayden to come and bring the message for us today. So come on up, Tink, and we'll turn it over to you. And uh, Tink is from Springfield, Kentucky. He's married to Lauren Anderson's twin sister. So that's not Lauren sitting right there. <laughs> Well, if y'all can hear me, let me know. I'm pretty loud though, so we should be all right. Just to tell you a little about myself, I ended up in this area. I went to NKU and I met, uh, I was dating a girl and I got dumped. And I ended up working with, I wanted to learn how to ride horses. So I worked at Stephanie England Gray's barn for a little while, just, just to learn, learn about horses a little bit. And she introduced me to Heather and we ended up dating and Heather and I did a lot of things out of order. She moved back. This is before I was saved, so I can, I can tell this story. She moved back to Springfield. We get married, blah, blah, blah. So we, we come back up here often to visit. And uh, Bellevue Baptist is actually the church I've been to the second most, which I've only been here three or four times, probably maybe five uh, over the last five or six years. And um, we're members of our church at home, River of Life Community Church, and uh, here I am. So it's nice to meet you all. I can't, our community is a Catholic community. Uh, we're in Washington County. So Washington, Marion, and Nelson are all Catholic communities. And I was raised Catholic. And growing up, I went to Catholic school, but I never, it just never clicked. I didn't see people living out their faith, not that I was looking for it at the time, but um, just that community, that, that community needs prayer. There's a, there's a lot of lostness in our community, uh, and there's a lot of people that don't, don't know what it looks like to genuinely follow Christ. So be in prayer for that Central Kentucky Catholic community because it needs it. Let's see where I'm at here. Y'all make me nervous. Our church is a lot darker than this. I can't hardly see anybody out in the crowd. It's bright in here. Also, I wanted to say that you, I'm sure you all think I sound like a country bumpkin. When I went to NKU, they always, I would say something. They'd say, say that again. I'm like, say what again? What are you talking about? Say it again. I'm like, I'm just speaking. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I was like the biggest, for some reason, they thought I was a cowboy or something. I just, I was just talking. I don't know. Y'all sound... Y'all all sound weird to me, but <laughs> I'm still getting used to used to it. Heather's start, probably starting to change her accent a little bit, but uh, today we're going to read Jonah chapter one and two. I, I really wanted to. I love the book of Jonah. It's very simple to understand. It's for me it is because I'm a lot like Jonah. Sometimes I I know what I need to be doing, but I sometimes run away from what I'm supposed to do. Uh, so I just want to. I just want to read the book of the, the first two chapters of Jonah, not back to back, but you'll see where we go here in just a moment. Jonah chapter one, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked the people are, how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. That's hard to say, Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. 
Fearing for their lives, de the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused, them, caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for they had already, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop the storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reason. Then the sailors picked, up jo picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Father, let us, let us learn a lesson from Jonah today, and thank you for your word. There are many nations that don't have it in their language, and we have it, and we have easy access to it. All we have to do is crack it open and start reading, and we're grateful for that. But there, that is not the case everywhere, so we're very appreciative that you have given us your word here in this country, and I pray that it enters all countries in the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I kind of named this message, Obedience, Repentance, and Grace. The story of Jonah is a story about how great, how great God's grace is. Has God ever made it clear to any of you all that you should be doing something and you kind of divert, go, go in another direction, or you either sit still and do nothing? This is what Jonah did. God told Jonah to do something very specific, and, God, and Jonah ran from God. God is sovereign, and through a series of events, God finally got Jonah to do God's will instead of Jonah's will. But Jonah still wasn't enthusiastic about his ministry to the Ninevites. So God could ask, maybe, maybe God put it on your heart to join the music ministry at some point, or to lead children, or to go on a mission trip, or to, you know, any of these things. Maybe he, he, he told you to share your faith with a certain person and you neglected that call. Uh, we all, I, I heard somebody say this one time, we all have a bit of Jonah blood in us. We sometimes run from God's will for our lives. So I want us to consider three questions as we go through these first two chapters of Jonah. One, am I being obedient to God's will for my life? Two, am I joyfully obedient to his will or am I disgruntled as Jonah was as God asked him to do something specific? And three, when I mess up, do I have a heart of repentance to God and to other people? So, back to verses 1 and 2. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. 
Why did God tell Jonah to go to Nineveh? Well, Nineveh was the Nineveh was the heart of the Assyrian Empire, and God wanted the people of Nineveh to repent. Nineveh was the Assyrians were infamous for uh, conquering cities uh, with their brutality, exploitation, and violence. Ancient records show that they did everything possible to conquer others conquer other societies. The Assyrians boasted of committing detestable acts such as cutting off the ears and other body parts of their enemies, skinning people alive, and impaling people outside of the gates of their own cities to show their power and dominance. I'm sorry for the violence for this Sunday morning, but that's just how it was. The Ninevites were not good people, and God wanted Jonah to warn them of the judgment that was coming their way. Does anybody know where Nineveh is in modern times, where it is today? Did anybody serve in the military? Did you deploy to where? Nineveh is in Mosul, Iraq. Thank you for your service, sir. Verse 3. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Not only did Jonah disobey the Lord by going the opposite direction, he headed for Tarshish, which was as far away west as anybody knew of at the time in the world, according to what I read. So I want to ask you this morning, where is your Tarshish? Where do you run when you want to disobey God or if you want to hide from God? Your Tarshish could be the bar. Your Tarshish could be the net, a Netflix binge. Maybe for some of you want, women, Tarshish is shopping at Target. <laughs> Tarshish, could be, Tarshish for you could be the, the dirty depths of the internet. Tarshish in our lives is the direction we go to avoid a relationship with God. Where do we run while we're being disobedient to God? Tarshish for me this morning would have been staying home and just attending my church. I don't pastor a church. I just am a member of our of our local church, and I and I get to preach occasionally. So uh, Lauren's been saying for for a little while now, you should come to you should come to Bellevue Baptist and preach. And I'm like, that's not really how that works. I I can't just show up and say I'm going to preach now, you know. But through a series of events, Dale caught me and Dale got in contact with each other, and and here I am. But um. But I answered the call, you know, I, I didn't stay home. I, I could have sat home comfortably and not driven two hours up here and gone to jump zone last night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who owns jump zone, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. I've lost my place here trying to be funny. So Tarshish in our lives could be anything that if we know we're supposed to be doing something, or we're, if we're in the Word, we most often know what we're supposed to be doing, and we know what we're not supposed to be doing, and, uh, and a lot of the things I mentioned are things that we're not supposed to be doing. Shopping at Target's fine if you need to go buy something. Don't idolize Target. So, if I denied the opportunity to come up here this morning, I would have been being disobedient, in my opinion. Just like the Lord didn't call Jonah to stay home and preach to his own people, he called me away from home to preach to you all. Since I follow through in obedience, please don't pick me up and throw me in that river out there. So to recap verses 1 through 3, very simply, Jonah receives a direct command from the Lord and immediately rebels by running the completely opposite direction. 
verse 4 through 10. I'm sorry I'm reading so much, but God's word is better than my word, so we'll stay in it. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold, so the captain went down after him. How can we sleep at a time? How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When Jonah did this, the lots identified Jonah as a. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down to us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. So, the Lord sent a powerful wind to freak out everybody except for Jonah, who was taking a nice, relaxing nap below deck. Out of fear, the sailors started throwing things overboard, and the captain went below deck to wake Jonah up and ask him a few quick questions. The sailors casted lots to see which person on the ship had called their gods to be offended. And casting lots, we see casting lots in the Bible a lot, and it's it just means, correct me if I'm wrong, flipping dice or drawing straws or um, flipping a coin, just a way for people to make a decision, sort of, is, is what I understand. One, thing, one good thing that came from this desperate moment is that the sailors feared for their lives. Often in our lives, when we face death or despair, we draw closer to the Lord. We'll see in verse 14 that the sailors quit crying out to their little g-gods and called out to the Lord out of fear of the storm that he sent. We were in a discipleship training the other night and somebody shared, um, his name's Kevin Durling, and he shared that he was in a car wreck one time 10 years ago or so, and he and his wife had just be just begun coming to our church that they weren't they weren't I don't, he didn't specify whether they were saved or not at the time I don't know but he said I was in this car wreck and my legs were broken and I was sitting in the hospital and because I had made just brief connections with people uh, at the church they they came to visit me and because I was stationary and I had nowhere to run people people came in and, and ministered to him. So it was, a, it was a serious storm in his life that God sent via a car wreck, but he was able to draw closer to the Lord because of the storm. And I have a similar story. It's not a car wreck, but my testimony is, is sort of like, I, have, I, I, was kind of, I was born in a good family. We had, we had everything we needed. Uh, I had everything I needed. I, I was married. I had healthy children, healthy wife money in the bank, but I, it just felt empty. I often say it's a, and my, my testimony is sort of an, an Ecclesiastes testimony, like everything is vanity. I look around, like we all have, we all have so much, like I, this just all seems silly. You know, we, I, I have everything I need, but I, yeah, I'm still so empty inside. And we had our second child and I don't know, something just happened, something, the Lord started working on me and people started coming and uh, sharing their faith with me at this time. And again, it's not a, it's not a car wreck story, but it was a moment of despair in my life where I just reached a point knowing that all this stuff and this, this health and though I appreciate all these things, 
these comfort, this is not what, this cannot be what life is all about. And I just, I got to, you know, I wasn't hiding in my closet depressed, but I was, I was just like scratching my head. What in the world is this life all about? And so that was a, that was a bit of a storm in my life, but, and I, and I'm very grateful for that. So through the casting of lots, the sailors pieced it all together that God sent the storm because of Jonah's disobedience. In verse 9, Jonah says, I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. At this point, this is blasphemy. Let's think about this in our lives. How often do we say, I love and worship the Lord, but my neighbor drives me nuts? Or I love and worship the Lord, but I'm going to complain constantly about every single obligation that I have in my life. Or I love and worship the Lord, but somebody cut me off on 75 on the way up here and I cussed him out. As I said before, we all have a little Jonah blood in us. Notice that the sailors and the captain looked to Jonah because of his claims of following God, the God of heaven, and not God's. If we profess that we are followers of Jesus, people will look to us in their times of despair. If we jump over to the New Testament for a moment, Paul tells Timothy this, Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. We want to heed Paul's warning in this. We got to pay attention to how we're living. We got to pay attention to what we say. I, I've, I've learned in the last one year's time that our words really matter. I mean, I'm a, you know, I may not look like a sensitive guy, but somebody can say something to me and I'm like, why would you say that? Why would you, why, why? Why don't say that? I'm gonna go home and think about that. Like, don't watch what you say. Just, we just gotta keep a close watch on everything that we do for our, for our witness. If we don't, we'll find ourselves in a mess like Jonah found himself. Because of the mess that, he, that Jonah was in, his witness was destroyed and the sailors eventually threw him overboard. Let's remember that if we say we worship and love the Lord, our actions should follow suit. We don't want to be considered hypocrites by non-believers, though often we are. We must also remember Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are not perfect. Jesus is, and that's why we need him. So if you search your own soul, does your walk and your talk align? Do your words and your works align? If you are growing spiritually, if you're growing spiritually, there should be consistency in your walk of faith. Chapter or verse 11. If I can find it. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do with you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm was all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. O Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. O Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reason. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Even though Jonah was a horrible example of a believer up to this point, the sailors still, for some reason, looked to him for counsel. What does Jonah do in this moment? Does he, does he attempt to redeem himself through repentance? No. He tells, the story, he tells the sailors to throw him overboard. When we get to a point in our walk when we have failed, let us have the wisdom 
to repent immediately and not drag out disobedience for a few more chapters. If Jonah would have repented in verse 11, the, most likely the book of Jonah would be one chapter instead of four. Jonah was more willing to die than to repent, and we see that later in the book of Jonah. I read too many verses the last time, according to my notes. So verses 13 through 16, which I read all the way to 16, at this point the sailors are being more faithful to the Lord than Jonah. In verse 13, they show Jonah mercy by trying to paddle the boat back to shore to spare his life. In verse, in verse 14, what does that say? Sorry. In verse 14, they cried out to the Lord, asking him to spare their lives and the life of Jonah. They didn't want to be responsible for his death. Through all of this drama, the, the sailors were all struck and began to fear the Lord. One great lesson, a great lesson that I learned reading this first chapter is that God does not need us to fulfill his will, but that does not mean he doesn't want us to be a part of it. He clearly chose Jonah for this mission. So far, Jonah is failing beyond belief, but in verses 13 through 16, God still drew people to himself, even though Jonah was disobedient. That does not mean that we can just lay down and not follow God's call, but God is a good God, and he still fulfills his will even when we do fail. He can, sometimes. I should maybe back up on that a little bit. God wants us to be involved, but he doesn't necessarily need us as we see in, in 13 through 16. This shows God's goodness. He wants us to be aligned with him, but we sometimes fail. He is still good to us. He is a gracious God, and this is evident in verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. How many days was he inside the fish? Anybody? We need to read chapter 2, verse 1 for me to make my next point. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. It's very easy to skim past this, this verse. But we need to bathe in it for a minute because it's, it's, a deep, it's a deep thing to think about. Let's recap what we know so far. God told Jonah to preach to the Ninevites. Jonah ran from God on a boat bound for Spain, Tarshish. God sent a storm to get Jonah's attention and to draw lost people closer to himself. To stop the storm, the sailors threw Jonah into the water. God sent a large fish to, show, to swallow Jonah so that he wouldn't drown. Now let me ask you all a question. How long can a person go without water and live? Three days, says Google. Or somebody, I don't know. It works in this sermon, though. So you can go three days without water before you die. Jonah knew the storm was from the Lord. Jonah knew the fish was from the Lord. Instead of being grateful for God's gracious act of sending the fish to ultimately save him, he remained inside the fish for three days and three nights before he finally humbled himself before the Lord and spoke to him through prayer. Jonah waited until he was almost dead inside the belly of the fish before he showed gratitude towards the Lord. So how long have you waited? How long do you plan to wait? Three days? Three months? Three years? Three decades? Now I need, some, I need some participation in this part. I'm going to ask you all to take a deep breath in right now and hold it. And when you breathe out, make a noise. Breathe out. That's a gift from God. It's no different than the fish that swallowed Jonah to keep him alive. 
Take another deep breath in and hold it. Now breathe out. That wasn't very loud. <laughs> Take a deep breath in. Breathe out. There we go. That's another gift from God. The gulp of grace that put Jonah inside the belly of the fish is the same grace that puts breath in your lungs. God is keeping you alive. You aren't doing that. He is doing that. The grace of God is overwhelming and amazing. The book of Jonah is a story about how big God's grace is. I think we can all agree that God's greatest gift of grace was the gift of God's perfect son, Jesus. We are dealing with the same God, the same grace overflowing from his love for us. And I didn't really plan to put this in here, but the other day I was reading Jonah out of, out of another Bible that I had, and the notes pointed me to Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. Well, 38 through 41. Jesus speaks of Jonah. He says, as I read this, pay attention, pay attention to, just think about grace while I'm reading this. Think about how graceful Jesus is when he talks about Jonah and, and specifically what he doesn't mention about Jonah. He mentions Jonah. He mentions what Jonah did. But think about, think about chapter 1 and what we've read and think about all the mess-ups that Jonah had. Verse 38, Matthew chapter 12, verse 38. One day some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you, refu you refuse to repent. Jesus did not mention anything about Jonah running the total opposite direction. Jo Jesus only mentions Jonah's acts of obedience. He says, what does he say? He says, the people of Nineveh will stand against his generation on judgment day and condemn it, for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. He didn't say, that fool Jonah, he ran down to Tarshish running away from everything the father told, told him to do. He, didn't, he doesn't mention any of that. So, I just found that to be, as, as I titled this, Grace, Obedience, and Repentance, Jesus doesn't, he, do, he doesn't want us to just wallow in our, our, our sin. He doesn't want us to get hung up on all our failures. He wants us, you know, Jonah failed three or four times, and, and we're, we're just now getting into chapter 2. He's already failed however many times. Jesus doesn't even mention that. He just says, Jonah preached to the people of Nineveh, and they repented. So I just found that to be a great example of, of God's grace. So I read it already, but we are dealing with the same God, the same grace overflowing from his love for us. The same God that created all things is the same God that told Noah to build the ark before he sent a great flood, is the same God that sent Jonah to preach to the Ninevites, is the same God that commanded a fish to swallow Jonah to spare his life, is the same God that gave Abraham and Sarah their son Isaac when they thought they were too old. Is the same God that spared Isaac when he initially told Abraham to kill himself. Let me back up. 
is the same God that spared Isaac when he initially told Abraham to kill him as a sacrifice, is the same God that gave Job a new family, is the same God that converted Paul the murderer into a believer, is the same God that chose Paul the ex-murderer to write most of the New Testament, is the same God that opened my eyes to his wonderful mercy, grace, and love, is the same God who gifted me with two healthy boys and a wife, is the same God who healed my marriage during a time of trouble, is the same God that sent me to Bellevue Baptist Church this morning, is the same God that sent his son to earth to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, is the same God that allows all of those who believe in Jesus not to perish but have eternal life. That was a lot. And that's a good, good a lot too. God has gifted all of us with life here on earth. I know this because I can see you all looking back at me in this very bright, bright, bright <laughs> church. <laughs> we are here. How do we get here? God placed us here. Jesus has gifted some of us with eternal salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're here right now and you don't have a saving relationship with Jesus, don't wait three more seconds to cry out to the Lord for your salvation. If you have questions about salvation, I've already met plenty of faithful men uh, this morning. Find somebody to talk to. Don't take your questions home with you. If you're here as a faithful follower of Christ, cry out to the Lord with a prayer of gratitude. Ask Him to charge up your spirit so that you can run the race until the end. Pray for obedience. Don't be like Jonah. Do your best to have a sensitive ear to the things God is calling, calling you to do on a daily basis. So if we were to go, go on in the book of Jonah, um, well, we would see that... I've got the page number memorized, fortunately. We would see that... He finally does obey. He goes to Nineveh and he preaches and uh, they do repent. And he's still disgruntled. He, he just doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't want to see, he did not want to see the Ninevites repent. I want to close by reading chapter two, Jonah's prayer to God when he's in, when he's in the belly of the whale or the fish. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over, over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Here's the best one. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. <laughs> I like that. So I'm very glad that I got to come here today. And uh, I make jokes about this bright room, but this church is very beautiful. Our church is, it's a, we meet in a gym. It's just a hardwood floor gym. I mean, it's a big building, but it's a more modern kind of church. And 
they keep the lights down low so you have to squint to see who's here who's asleep but again i can see y'all that's nice so like i said if y'all have if you have questions about salvation or or how to grow in your faith just find somebody here uh, i can be one of those somebodies if needed i'll be here for a while so i just want to pray us out here I don't know what happens next after this, but I'm going to pray if that's all right. I'm not praying us out, I don't think, but I'm going to pray anyways. I'm trying to learn this place. Father, we thank you for opportunities to serve you and to be faithful and just allow us to be obedient the first time. And if we're not obedient the first time, allow us to repent, recognize that we're being disobedient and allow us to have an awareness and a discernment to know that you have a call on our lives and that we must follow that call or you will send storms and people will throw us off ships. And the good news is you're a graceful God. You have, you have fish that you can order around to swallow us up. And if we find ourselves in the belly of a fish, don't let us wait three days until we're about to die. Just give us the wisdom to pray immediately and call on your name. And we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your ultimate act of grace for sending him to earth to die on the cross to save us for our sins. If we call on his name, he will answer. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.